to We're Not Singing Anymore. We're three mates, we're all in different parts of the country, all in lockdown, in isolation, and all passionate about football and passionate about music, be that soul, blues, country, rock and roll, gospel, and who knows what else besides. We've got no gigs to go to, we've got no football matches to go to, so every week we agreed to uh, talk to each other, But instead of just moaning every week about how bored we all were in lockdown, what we thought we'd do is pick a theme and come armed with a a memory, a story or just something to laugh about based on that theme. We split the podcast in two halves. So there's a half. The first half is about football. The second half is about music. And we publish them as two separate mini podcasts so people can listen to the one that that they particularly want to listen to. This particular half... Is about football, and although we're Blades, two Blades and one Sunderland fan, we hope the stories are interesting enough for, for other people to enjoy as well. So, let's get going. Okay, so here we are, and it's it's Wednesday the 20th of uh, May. Ah uh, <laughs> oh dear, and Tony's up in Leeds with his Blades shirt on, kissing the badge, and... Uh, I don't know whether I don't know whether the back of the, the name on the back, which is Alex Sabella Sabaya, I think, whether that's a clue to who we might be talking about, or whether he's simply taunting his Leeds neighbours, uh, or he can't spell Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or I can tell you, Jeff, that um, when I first moved up to Leeds and put a, a running shirt on to go Blades running shirt, I got a real pleasant Yorkshire welcome of. F off. <laughs> From a white van as it went past. <laughs> Yesterday, I was out and somebody shouted, Up the blades! Hey! <laughs> the, the power of the, the global reach of the Premier League. Yeah. Could you believe yeah. it? Uh, got as far as Leeds. Got as far as <laughs> Leeds. That's, that's quite some distance, I could tell you. Isn't it? Uh, <laughs> All right then. Okay. Well, I think the uh, the theme of the uh, of the day is um, hidden gem. We said hidden hidden gem in whatever construct or whatever variety or variation we've come at that. Uh, we're going to talk football in this first uh, first part, and obviously music in the second part for anybody who listens to that one as well. So I'm going to ask Charles up in Gateshead to um, get us get us going on this one. All right, then. Well, I'm going to mix my metaphors. And it's about three gems that struck gold. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll start I'll start with, because uh, I, I was thinking about this, and what came into my head for whatever reason was uh, was Del Boy, Derek Trotter. <laughs> and there's a line in Only Fools and Horses, one of the episodes, where his latest flame is called Heather, and he's smitten, and he says the classical line, I remember what you said, that you like diamonds, so I thought I'd get you a cluster of solitaires. Um, anyway, my cluster of solitaires are three players, um, Bobby Kerr, Billy Hughes, and Dennis Stewart, the latter being uh, 
probably more famous uh, than the others, I, I guess. Uh, and I know, I know, I'm going back to 1973 yet again to mention that we won the FA Cup that year. And uh, oh no, at that time, I know. I'll get you back later, Charlie. Don't worry. Well, you, well, you, you know, you've you've got to grasp at small victories <laughs> and achievements, haven't you? Set against our history over the last God knows how many years. But hey ho. Uh, now, at the time, Bobby Kerr was 25 and he was the captain. Uh, Billy Hughes was 24 and Dennis Stewart was 23. So there, there, weren't, there weren't youngsters as such. Um, so there weren't kids. They, they all came through our system, whatever that looked like. And the two, the two, uh, two players, Bobby and Billy, were Scottish and came to us when they were uh, more or less, I suppose, out of school. Uh, and stuck with us and stayed with the club for, for quite some years. So um, I think that it probably was one of those situations where they, they weren't household names, but at the time they probably be, did become household mm. names because of that cup campaign. Yeah, Probably, I would say, without any disrespect to them, uh, they were good players, talented <laughs> in, in some respects. Uh, but were kind of bit journeymen at the time. Uh, and then all of a sudden, something comes along like a cup campaign. Um, and what you're then into is focus and attention on them. Mm. And Bob Stoko uh, had arrived uh, in the November of 72, and he were in the final of, uh, of May 73. And in the cup campaign which started uh, third round January, as, as per normal. Uh, and then suddenly within four months, these players have kind of like really lifted themselves. Um, wh whether that was down to Bob, Bob Stoke or motivation, whether it was their attitude, whether you instilled confidence in them, um, better footballers, an ability to be, to be drawn out from them. Um, but there was, there was something I thought changed. I remember, I seem to remember that campaign. I can remember seeing games on the TV and you're playing really, really well. It's as yeah. it's almost as if you were a really attractive side to watch. And I'm sure it was that cup campaign. Tony's yeah. tennis. It's the magic of the FA Cup. I, I, think, I think that's probably the reality of it, Tony, because they, they came into the spotlight get to January, start start winning games, and then they started to pick up in the league as well. Um, and we were, at the time when Stoke arrived, we, we were fairly well down the table, and then we started to climb up. Mm. So he flicked a switch, or he did something, and it was uh, it was just quite quite remarkable. And then when it got to uh, probably the, the the fifth and sixth rounds of the cup. There was something which was almost, you know, coming back to what you're saying, Tony, um, it was almost like the arrogance. Uh, well, that's, that's probably too strong a word, but, but maybe I'm saying confidence mm. in their ability and thought, what the hell? You know, we're now in the fifth round. Mm. And then it went from there. Uh, and then beating uh, Manchester City, I think, was in this, uh, the sixth round. You know, wow, here we go. We're, we're off on a on a on a on a real run here, and Wembley's only a couple of games away. And I, I just thought these these there were lot there were other players in the team 
that were, that were coming through. We'd made signings. We'd had other players that came through. But I, I just thought for, for, for two lads who'd stuck with us from 16 and then Dennis Stewart joined. He, he was a Newcastle lad. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all came together uh, in one, one go. And I know we talked uh, a while ago about intermediate leagues, you know, and how players were, were dropped in. But th- there was this sort of feed of players that, that, was, that was coming through and starting to work for us in a, in a, in a strong, strong way. And, you know, looking at uh, people like Bobby Kerr, because Bobby Kerr was uh, um, one of those sort of players where Stoker called him um, his little general, uh, which something to do with his size as much as anything, because he was only five foot four. But he, pre- he proved him to be a great leader. Mm. He was captain. And Billy Hughes... I mean, sadly, he died last uh, December. Um, he scored important goals for us. And he provided the assist at Wembley uh, for Porterfield to score his goal. Uh, and he was top, top scorer for us that season with, with 19 goals. So there was just something different. And that, yeah. that's why I tend to think in terms of whether we're hidden gems or whether they were waiting to blossom, whatever you know, kind of metaphor what, what, what to use for uh, for that. But uh, I, I just thought that this is this is obviously his historic time for us. <laughs> you know that that was the we last won the cup in 1937. There we were in 1973, and bang, it's showing off know. again, Tony. Uh, yeah, off again, 1937. <laughs> Good yeah. grief. And I, and I shoving it down our throats. And I, I, I picked something up which was Tommy Doherty had described Billy Hughes. Um, he scored two goals at Old Trafford. Actually, it was at a time when uh, Manchester United were in the second division with us. And the, the, I think they won the, champion, the championship that, that year uh, for Division Two. And Tommy Doherty described Billy Hughes as the most exciting forward in the country. You know, now, that's, that's all very well, saying that on the back of you've won 3-2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you've been generous. Uh, but Vince uh, told me the other day about a, a trick that Billy Hughes used to do. I can't remember whether he said he'd witnessed it, which is uh, throw a coin in the air, drops, catches it on his foot, kicks it up and catches it in his top jacket pocket. <laughs> Don't know whether he did it for money. You know? uh, so, but when it when it comes to like said Dennis Stewart, I, I mentioned him probably more from the point of view that, that this was a guy um, who left us uh, in the season after that cup victory, and he, he had his eye on a bigger prize, uh, and it just goes to show that a bit of limelight, uh, a bit of attention attracting uh, interest from Manchester City, who we, who we signed for. Uh, and, and then he went he went on to bigger and better things. Uh, whereas the other two lads more or less stayed with us, you know, uh, for, for a fair bit of their, their careers. But uh, Dennis Stewart went off on, on pastures new. Uh, so thinking about the, those three, uh, I just think that's uh, where it's, Showed our team in its in its best way, yeah. And, and we have lots of battlers, lots of fighters that uh, for that cup campaign. Um, but I think those three, because there was just something that bit extra that had been drawn out of them. 
And I, I would put it down to Bob Stoke. Yeah, I think we've talked, we talked about it a lot. We've talked about the current United side, which I know we go on ad nauseum. But um, I think I think I think this is where you do give the coaches a lot of credit because it always seems if you've got somebody and you think right, here's the role that I want you to play, and you're capable of playing it, go play that role, and and they shine, and that's probably what happened. There, you yeah. know, the new manager says, right, I want you to be the battler in midfield, the midfield general. Or, you know, we've seen it in people like Chris Basham and, and things, and you just think, how can he be playing at this level? Yeah. Well, he's yeah. not being asked to do anything that he can't do. That's what he's being asked to do is, is do what he can do really well. Yeah. And yeah. we've we've got a, almost a team full of those, Tony, haven't we? You know? Uh, we have, Jeff. And yeah. I think, I suspect that's what was going on there with Bob Stoko. And with a focus, yeah. and with a focus as well, which I agree with you. You know, the cup suddenly, oh, there's something. Mm. You know, if you're mid-table and you're doing, or you're not going to go down, but you're not going to go up, and da, 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 and suddenly there's a little focus of a half a dozen games that, hang on a minute, we could do something here. You, you, you can imagine it, can't you? You can imagine it. Yeah, yeah. Up in the ante. Yes, Tony, sorry. No, I was just, I was just thinking while Charlie was talking about those three players. I mean, Dennis Chirk went on to a, a business career, didn't he? When he when he finished playing, quite yeah. I, don't, I, don't know what it, I can't remember what it was exactly, but I think it's been quite really lucrative for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but the number of little midfielder stroke goal scorers like Kerr, well, you saw him in the street. You wouldn't think they were capable physically of, of surviving at yeah. that level, but, yeah. but they find a way, don't they? And, and adapting a style of play. You know, I'm, I'm thinking players way back, like Willie Carlin. We had Jeff yeah. Mayne. I do, um, yeah. Billy Hodgson. Um, Are you only saying Willie Carlin because he scored at Hillsborough and we won? I'm just checking. Uh, no, I'm not. No, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm listeners. I'm only. I'm only. No, I'm not Jeff, but I remember he scored it on his debut against Newcastle with an absolutely towering header. And he was, I think he was about 5'2", 5'3", Willie Carlin. And now he got up there and hung and headed it from with the height he was. But, but there's loads of them, aren't there? There's loads of those little midfielders. It was the commentary, it's the cup final, I think it was Brian Moore, and they've gone to do the, uh, you know, the toss of the coin. And uh, Brian Moore said, Something like Bobby Kerr at five foot four, mm. uh, being towered over by Billy Bremner at five foot five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. There's another one. Well, that that might be the. Uh, is that it, Charlie? Is that you, Donna? Uh... I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just uh, mention something briefly about Dennis Stewart because uh, when I, I was doing a little bit of research, he, he, um, there was a book about him. And he gave the royalties from the sale of it to uh, a young adult cancer unit oh. at uh, uh, the Christie Cancer Centre in Manchester. And I thought, oh, right, mm. good on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good lad. Mm. Well done. Right, well, let me, in the interest of sort of moving us along, um, funny enough, <laughs> little diminutive midfield players. Oh. That's where I'm. That's really? where I'm. Uh, yeah. Oh, fancy that. Well, would you believe it? It's almost as if it was scripted, which uh, anybody listening will know couldn't possibly 
<laughs> be the case. I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put a bit of a, a lawyer's argument to why this fella is a hidden gem because he wasn't really hidden, and possibly would say he's not much of a gem. Um, well, from that, but I but I I'm gonna put the counter the argument for the defence. It's a player who who actually got quite a lot of stick over over a number of years. Uh, by the, by the fans, not all of them, but lots of them, particularly you go on the message boards. And it was a guy called Michael Doyle. Now Michael Doyle was a was a a small ball carrier, up, down, side to side. He was the classic hard-working midfield player. Um, and the reason he, he got a lot of stick, and I, I I put this down to to people not really understanding how football works which is a very arrogant thing that you say, you know. But anyway, I'm going to say it. You know, he was a midfield player. You never see him put a, a defence-splitting ball out to anybody. Um, he scored nine goals for us from midfield. But it, it, he was the sort of player that, if you know in the back, I think if you've played football, certainly, you'll know every team needs one of these. Somebody who 100% committed covered the ground, actually covered the ground for his colleagues more than anything else. I always think players like this, they, that's what they do. They, they, they make their colleagues look better. I, I'll, give, I'll give you, a, 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 for instance, um, when we played, uh, I hate to say it, Sheffield Wednesday, when we beat Sheffield Wednesday 4-2 on their own, own, own ground last year, first year of the championship, did we do that, Jeff? I forgot. I forgot. We did. Like, don't gloat because I'm, we we haven't we haven't got enough listeners to lose uh, any okay. to lose okay. any. How, how many was it again? <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm not telling you. Yeah. Uh, but when they scored their second goal, the commentator said um, David Brooks lost his position there. That's what caused that goal. David Brooks had a fantastic game. He was, he was a well. He plays for Bournemouth now. We sold him for a lot of money. Young lad. That was the best game I think he'd ever played for us. But I can always remember, he said, David Brooks lost his position. Didn't do the work they had to do. Created a gap. I'm thinking if Michael Doyle had been playing, we wouldn't have noticed that because he's just the sort of one who would have watched it, seen it coming and stepped, stepped in. It was that, that sort of play. So... Didn't score many goals, didn't possess a Hollywood pass, regularly criticised by fans, but I, I don't think they totally understand. And I would argue that a whole host of managers agreed with, with me because he started playing for us in 2011, which was the, the, the year we got relegated, I think, uh, under Mickey Adams. And then he played uh, 16, he didn't score that season. 11-12, he played 43 matches, scored three. 12-13, 43 matches, scored three. 13-14, 43 matches, scored twice. 14-15, 43 matches, scored once. Well, whilst the scoring's not great, what he mean? What he was? He was played. All he was playing all the time, and <laughs> you'd be you'd be pleased to know, Charlie, that. This, the, these are the managers who thought he was worth putting in the team. Mickey Adams, he came in, got relegated. He went out. Danny Wilson came in, freshened the team up. 
kept kept him in. Danny Wilson went. Chris Morgan stepped in as a as a uh, uh, you know temporary manager. Kept him in the side. David Weir came in. We've talked about David David Weir. If you blinked, you missed him. He played him in the side as well. Then he went. Chris Morgan came back in. He played him in the team. And when he went, Nigel Clough came in, and he played him in the team as well until the end of that. So one, two, three, four, five managers in a row. Every one of them played him. That's that's got to tell you something. Unfortunately, it was it was a nearly man. He, 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 he because the team was a nearly team in in those days. So he missed out, just missed out on playoffs, losing players, lost an FA Cup semi final. But on 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 the on the way to that uh, one of those finals, we did play West Ham at Upton Park because he became a bit of a legend for that. So, as I say, if you listen to the phone ins week in week out. You'd assume he was no good. I would suggest the views of the manager suggest otherwise. But the main thing is when he played West West Ham, we we were two two and we scored. We won on penalties. It he <laughs> celebrated in front of the Blades fans and alongside the uh, the, the West Ham fans by doing the old Cockney walk, which <laughs> is there on regularly regularly posted. So I, I say that the West Ham shithousery that he went through <laughs> that, um, tells me he really he really was a gem, don't Tony. You got, to, you got to say, Jeff, that the West I said West Ham fans that you've just been talking about were all wearing Carlos Tevez masks at the yes. time. Yes, yes, so they deserved it. He did the old Lambeth walk, but uh, there's a couple of interviews with him on on YouTube and. Uh, you can tell he'd got he got a lot of passion for for the game, and uh, so that was it. Michael Doyle, much maligned, Michael Doyle. He made the most of his ability, didn't he? You know, he's, yeah. he, he, he he wasn't the most gifted of players, and I think when when players like that go through bad patches, it, it becomes more apparent than some others, doesn't it? So that's probably why he got his stick over time. Yeah, but he made the most of what he got, and he was a, a proper yeah. professional. He was, but uh, he was, and and I think uh, going back to what Charlie said, it's it's horses for courses, isn't it? And yeah. you know his role in the, his role in the team was to was to be that water carrier, box to box, and he yeah. was, and side to side. I mean, he covered fantastically, and and you need people like that, you know. So yeah, so that was yeah. it, Michael Doyle. Right. Okay. So yeah. Morning. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Do. Right. Well, I'm, I'm going bang up to date. Um, I couldn't resist it. I just couldn't resist it. Um, and just as we hear about the 1973 Cup final... Oh, on and on. Um, on, on and on. On and on. Sorry, that's a missed we, Just as we hear, hear about the 1973 Cup final... All oh, right. Ad, ad nauseum. Well... <laughs> We keep banging on about the Blades in the Premier League. And I didn't know where to start, to be honest, because in football eyes, they're all hidden gems uh, at the moment. There's no standout names in our Sheffield United team at the moment. But anyway, I'm going to go for a man, Charlie, who, born in heaven, studied at Gateshead College, 
He's a Sunderland fan. Is it you, Charlie? Is it you? Yeah, I've, I've got my shorts on. <laughs> he started at Newcastle as a kid. They let him go. Then he went and got a job at McDonald's. And when he came to Sheffield United, he came on a free, a free. You couldn't, you could, you couldn't even have bought him at Poundland. The man's name is Chris Basham. Thanks for the lead-in, Jeff. <laughs> Known as Bash, Basham Bauer. Um, Basham and, Bauer. <laughs> a folk, folk legend, really. That. Um, at Bramall Lane. And to me, this is what promotion's been like for us this season. I'm not, I'm no, no apologies, promotion. Last season, promotion was about seeing players like this get their chance when... They, oh, he's played in the Premiership brief before for um, Blackpool. I think Blackpool it was. it was, yeah, it was. Yeah. And But at his age, he's 32, he's 32 this year. Who would have thought that he would ever get back in the Premiership? Who would have thought he'd get back in the Premiership and star like he has been? And yes, Charlie, he is one of those overlapping centre-backs <laughs> again. But he overlaps down the other side to O'Connell, who goes down the left side. Um, you know, talking about players who hang around under different managers. Mm. Um, well, interestingly, when Wilder came in, I think he believed in in Basham, and he built started to build a team round him. And he, along with Billy Billy Sharp, is the only player that's still here and flourished since Wilder came in. Um, so, you know, football fans are beginning to know his name, but to all intents and purposes, within the top leagues of European football. He's an unknown. He's a he's an absolute hidden gem. Um, and my last abiding memory of, uh, of Chris Basham is when we played Leeds last season at Ellen Road, and um, we were under the cosh a bit in that game, and we we hung in there, hung in there. First half, he was playing in midfield that that, that day, and he can play in there quite well. He can do a good job in midfield. First half, one of our only ventures into their half, he just missed his opportunity to shoot. He dithered and, and, and it was crowded out. Second half, about 70-odds minute, um, we broke away. Billy did their centre-back, laid it into the path of Basham, who the commentator Fiamf, you know, famously says, and Basham's arriving. <laughs> And <laughs> moves into the box, slips as he shoots, but in it goes. And I tell you, he turned and ran towards the Sheffield United fans, and he was running straight at me. I, I was got a, a direct view of him coming straight <laughs> over to the fans, slid into the ground, and um, well, we never looked back after that, did we? We did not. I was. We I never was... looked back after that. Um, all round. Great blow. He um, makes the most of his uh, his talents. Fantastic professional. He's my ultimate hidden gem. One got one that got away, Charlie. Presumably still a Sunderland fan. Oh well, 
well, I, I suppose it's like once a fan, always a fan. Right. So that was uh, that was Chris Basham, the hidden gem. I think uh, Charlie, weren't you? Were I think it was a comment there about um, Sutherland fan. Yeah. Uh, it, it, well, in truth, uh, I hadn't realised he was. Um, so that that's something new for me. But and I guess it's you know if it's hometown boy or a local boy, then you you'll stick with your your club. He probably. Will want to join us ne- next season at some point. You know. <laughs> I, 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 Around his career, off. <laughs> I think the thing is, uh, the thing about him is, he was a midfield player when he was at Blackpool. He was, uh, and he was for us, wasn't he? For a while, he can mm. play in midfield. Mm. Um, of course, he plays centre back now, or the right side centre back. But full if I was just watching a clip this morning of the of the Villa game earlier this season, where we we won two 0 and the first goal, he's marauding as ever down the right-hand side, turns back, back to his goal over on the right side, back heels it past, past the, the defender who didn't see it coming. Um, mm. uh, the, the ball's knocked over and, and Flex smacks it in the back of the net. And I think yeah. that's the beauty of it. And the beauty of the system is that with players like him, I've, I've got a few tricks. You, mm. you certainly wouldn't expect your, uh, your centre-back to be... To be to be doing that, and, and there was another clip when we played Man City at their place, which <coughs> gets lost because nothing came of it. But he he sort of won the ball on the halfway line and sort of swerved around about three City players before passing and just Moose was just going to the box. It just overhit his pass, but it was like there's no wonder people can't cope with this because you see a centre back, you're not expecting him to go weaving his way through. So. Yeah. Anyway, good. So we've got, uh, well, um, yeah, all hidden gems, a, a trio of hidden gems up, up from from Charlie, who were uh, all played in the 1973 Cup final. Uh, what year is, was that? This, this, this isn't a repeat if you're listening to other podcasts. It just it comes up now and again, quite rightly, as does... <laughs> as does our promotion to the Premier League, <laughs> probably even more frequently, and uh, Chris Basham. And, and then a, a shout-out for sometimes maligned Michael Doyle, who was, uh, who was, uh, who was a, who was a good, good player for us, I think, and, uh, and, and a loyal, committed servant. Right, so that's it for now. Let's blow the whistle on the first half and, uh, and, and come back and start to... Start talking uh, music. Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah, no, we started that long ago. Start talking music. All right, see you in a minute. Red rain. It turns to blue. 